here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Hello and welcome back to the Under the Dome podcast. It's me, I'm your host, Ben Belden. Find my tweets, find the links to this podcast, find all of that stuff at the Twitter handle at Under the Dome underscore ND. Make sure you're checking out the podcast all over the podcast platforms, whatever one is your favorite, whether that's Apple Podcasts. Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all of that stuff. Podbean, Spotify. Did I miss any? Probably. But find us there. And make sure you check out the YouTube channel. We're putting out some new video content. If you want to see my ugly mug and um, a really cool picture of the Notre Dame Golden Dome sitting behind me with the use of this green screen that I purchased, go ahead and go to the YouTube channel. If you search under the Dome podcast, you should find it. If you're having trouble finding it, underthedomend.com, and there's a nice little link for the YouTube channel. So trying to get those subscriber numbers up. We're going to do more than just podcasts on there and shows, um, but we're going to use that YouTube channel for live content at certain points in the season and before the season as well. So you'll want to make sure that you're subscribed there and your notifications are on so that when we go live, you'll know and you can tune in and interact and all of that good stuff as well. So go to the YouTube channel, subscribe, and um, you know that'll that'll get you set for some of the live content, some of the other things that we're going to do with this podcast, as far as film breakdowns and that type of thing, as well. Okay, so before we talk about uh, Notre Dame basketball, Notre Dame spring practice, and some of the other things that I have on the uh, schedule for today, I just wanted to give a quick note on some of the changes that you'll be seeing on the podcast. So. If you'll uh, kind of reminisce with me for for a second as we go back down memory lane, you know, I started this podcast, man, I, you know, I can't even exactly remember when I started this podcast, to be honest with you, a couple football seasons ago. I think we've covered two full football seasons now, so that includes, you know, the last 26 games of, you know, um, 22 and 4, I suppose, and um, I believe I actually started it after four and eight because that season got me kind of uh, jacked out of shape a little bit, and I felt felt the need to get behind the microphone. But anyway, um, you know, I started this podcast, and it, it's been called a couple of different things throughout the years. The Irish Coffee Podcast was one of the you know our the other name that had any longevity to it, and um, 
I don't know. I, I started this podcast thinking, you know, it might be kind of cool to get behind a microphone and and feel kind of cool about it and talk about Notre Dame, which is obviously a topic that I'm very uh, passionate about. You know, I don't really think I've missed a snap of Notre Dame football in my adult life. Um, for the most part, I mean, I've been at some weddings and things while Notre Dame was playing and, and couldn't maybe catch every single snap, but generally I've watched replays and, you know, I just haven't missed much. And Notre Dame football is something obviously that I'm very passionate about. And it's, um, you know, for a lot of different reasons and I've shared some of those reasons on my, on this podcast before. But anyway, I say all that and, um, uh, there's been some changes that have occurred, subtle changes that are actually going to make the podcast a lot better going forward. I think, you know, even though I haven't tracked um, analytically how many people have listened to the podcast for a long time, I've I've started doing so recently. But I think there's been some pretty consistent growth, I suppose, uh, with the podcast. But what's really kind of held me back from really taking off um, is kind of a lack of consistency. We've changed logos. We've changed the name. We've changed hosts. We've had co-hosts. We haven't had co-hosts. It's been me and others. It's been just me. It's all of that stuff. And, you know, especially through the end of the football season when I start coaching basketball and, and doing some of those things, you know, we just haven't had a show every week at a set time and things. And I, I think that's sort of been what's held us back because, you know, I like to think that as a guy that's, you know, like I say, watched every down of Notre Dame football, whether it be an in-person or on TV or recording um, for the better part of my adult life and, uh, you know, even before my adult life, that I have some pretty decent Notre Dame football opinions. It seems that, you know, based off of interactions and things uh, that I get from people that, uh, you know, at least there's a smattering of people that get on every once in a while and listen to some guy talk about Notre Dame football behind a microphone. And I really appreciate the people that do that. And uh, I really appreciate the interactions. Like the coolest thing I think that's ever happened with this podcast was, you know, I was talking to my cousin one time and she lives out of state. Now I'm from Ohio. She lives in the South. And, um, she mentioned that, uh, she ran into a person in this Southern state and I'll just kind of keep it pretty vague, but, um, who, Found out what her last name was. She shares the same last name as I do, or at least she used to before she got married. And that person asked her if she was related to me. And, you know, to me, that was about like the coolest thing that to hear that, you know, someone in some other state that I've never met before knew who I was and got on and listened and appreciated my Notre Dame football opinion at the very least. Or maybe they disagreed and they were just being nice to my cousin. I don't know. But that's really why I do it. I just, you know, I enjoy the network that I've created. I've met some cool people through writing and podcasting and um, some people who I really respect and some people who are very smart about Notre Dame football. So really that's like the purpose behind the podcast. It's not my day job by any means. It's not something that I spend hours and hours on end working for. Um, you know, I have put in a good amount of time when I get behind the microphone, I try to make sure that I do a pretty decent job. I've obviously invested some cool stuff for the podcast that, uh, you know, I probably I didn't need to invest in, but like I say, it's, it's for the love of the, it's for the love of the, the game, I suppose it's for the love of the podcast. So I've done those things. And the reason I sort of tell you all this is that, you know, now I feel as confident as I ever have that the podcast is in a really good place. And part of that is because we've partnered with a Chicago based website called the loop sports. And if you're a Chicago fan, and or even if you're just a sports fan in general and you appreciate good content about 
interesting teams, make sure you check out thelooposports.com. Check them out on Twitter at theloop underscore sports. If you do that, you're, you will be impressed by the uh, the level of professionalism of you know uh, of a website that was. It's really just a blog, but there's just some great analysis going on there, and it's on the up and up. So they've reached out. They've Brought us on with the Under the Doom podcast. Obviously, Notre Dame and Chicago have kind of a nice overlap of fan bases, so we thought that it would be a good match. And really, you know, they've provided some hosting that I just didn't have beforehand, and that was getting really time-consuming and strenuous and a little bit stressful to try to do myself. Basically, what this means now is that there'll be a few changes where the Under the Dome podcast, um, you know, a Notre Dame athletics podcast presented by The Loop Sports, it's really the only difference. You know, there'll be a couple ads. I'll get to some of those here in the in the you know in a couple seconds actually. And basically, what this means is there are less things I have to do behind the scenes now to keep this podcast afloat, and more opportunity for me to get behind the microphone, more motivation for me to get behind the microphone, and make more shows, bring on more guests, seek out more people to talk to. And, uh, you know, continue to do those types of things. So, like I said, consistency probably has been my, um, my, my weak point with this podcast. But moving forward with Notre Dame football and kind of like a blank slate and a new schedule for me, um, I think we're going to be able to do some really cool stuff with the podcast. So I appreciate those of you that have tuned in, that continue to tune in and have been here from day one or have come in along the way. Um, you know, if you could help me out by telling a friend about the Under the Dome podcast, stealing a friend's iPhone and subscribing to the Under the Dome podcast or, or doing whatever, checking in, interacting with the live content that we're going to continue to create and all of that stuff, that's how we'll grow this. And, and I just, you know, like I say, it's it's fun for me and the more people that I can reach and the more people I can talk to, the more fun it is. So all of that put together, you know, I want to get to some uh, Notre Dame actual athletics type stuff. I've rambled on about the podcast, you know, for a while. But before we do that, I want to there's this message from SeatGeek. SeatGeek is a ticket search engine that never loses sight of the fan experience. Simply go to their website, type in the name of a team, and choose the date that you're looking to attend. SeatGeek will present you with a graphic chart of the stadium where you can then choose your seats and tickets based on a score system that determines the best value. If you've ever used SeatGeek before, we've partnered with them to give you a great deal. Apply the coupon code THELOOPSPORTS at checkout. That's all one word, by the way, THELOOPSPORTS, to take $20 off your first purchase with SeatGeek. So that means a $50 night for two at the ballpark turns into 30 bucks, or a $23 trip by yourself turns into just three with the coupon code THELOOPSPORTS. You have no excuse to not go and root on your favorite team, whether that's Chicago or otherwise. Just apply the code THELOOPSPORTS at checkout and have a great time on us. Thank you to SeatGeek for partnering us with us, partnering with us here at the Loop Sports. So, like I say, you know, lots to get to on this podcast. Notre Dame football, spring football is in full swing. The Irish, like I say, they started with a uh, Brian Kelly press conference on March 1st. Three practices since then, we've learned a little bit about what this team is going to look like next year with some position position changes for players. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but anyway, the Irish will kind of resume their spring football practice, uh, next Tuesday, which is March 19th and kind of, you know, have intermittent practices all the way up to April 13th, where they have the blue gold game, 1230 Notre Dame stadium should be a good one. 
Um, I might be in attendance for the spring game. It's sort of up in the air. We will see. Um, if you're going to that spring game, obviously check back into this podcast. Maybe we can meet up, talk Notre Dame sports, and you know we can meet some of the listeners and things. So if you're going to be there, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter or whatever the situation is. But um, sort of looking into maybe the possibility of being able to record a podcast in South Bend. That would be that would be really cool. But you know, like I say, some of that is still up in the works. So make sure you're tuning back in, checking in for uh, that information. Before I want uh, want to talk about football, I just want to touch on Notre Dame basketball very quickly. We touched on the Irish basketball team on the last podcast, so I think it would be remiss to not sort of mention the progress or I guess lack thereof that they have um, experienced since then. I think that, uh, well, as I, as I, recorded this podcast clicked record you know the the note came across that um the irish were eliminated from the second round of the acc basketball tournament by louisville it was another clunker for notre dame i i had the box score in front of me and i closed it but it was you know they they shot 26.9 percent from the field i believe that was 18 for 67 three of 27 from three and you know it was really just a very Typical of this season performance for Notre Dame, especially given that they shot the ball pretty well one night before against um, Wake Forest. I'm I'm sorry, not Wake Forest, Georgia Tech to get a win and, you know, feeling pretty good about themselves. And then they come deliver this this clunker. Uh, Notre Dame finished the year 14 and 18 for uh, four wins in the ACC, if you count the first win of the ACC tournament, three and fifteen in the regular season inside the conference. Overall, just not a very good year for Notre Dame. Um, we knew it would be a year that Notre Dame would have some growing pains, playing as many freshmen as they do, playing as many inexperienced players as they do, and uh, that was obviously compounded with injuries and just freshman inconsistency and all of that stuff. Um, but I don't think anyone really thought that it was going to be a 14-18 and 18 season. I don't really think that um, anyone thought that a Mike Bray-led team would lack the ability to close games that Notre Dame had. Um, it was just an atypical year for Notre Dame basketball. And, and here's what I had to say. So Tom Noy of Notre Dame Insider actually tweeted after the game. It was, you know... Um, one of the uh, one of my fellow writers that slapped the sign, Nathan Erbach, kind of brought this up and uh, said it, was, it sounded a little bit cryptic. And I'm going to read the tweet to you, and, and we'll kind of talk about it here for a second. But it says Notre Dame season ends with the 75 to 53 loss to Louisville in the second round of the ACC tournament. Irish close 14 and 19, including today's loss, and return everyone next year. But expect this team to look a lot different come fall. Which was interesting because, you know, every, you know, the big story, I guess, about Notre Dame basketball this year is that they're returning every scholarship player next year, aren't really expected to add anyone unless it happens to be a grad transfer or a last minute um, recruit who decides to come to Notre Dame. But, um, you know, what is going to look different necessarily about Notre Dame basketball? Is he insinuating that there's something on the horizon with Mike Bray perhaps getting fired? Um, if there is, I would wholeheartedly disagree with that. Um, what is on the horizon for Notre Dame basketball? And we kind of talked about Mike Bray and who he is as a coach. Um, 
And um, I don't know. We we talked about that on the last podcast. And and here's really what I have to say about this Notre Dame basketball team. I think if you read anything at Slap the Sign, where I'm a writer, and other you know talented Notre Dame people write about this basketball team, or if you go on Twitter and you and you read some of our tweets, I, I think we're all pretty well feeling similarly in that this season was a well, it was an outlier and not the average of what you would expect for Notre Dame basketball. I I think that, you know, if you look at a power five school, uh, you would expect Notre Dame to not finish dead last in the ACC pretty much ever, um, given the type of institution that they are. Um, Certainly unacceptable, but here's the thing though. I mean, if you follow sports and you follow programs and you follow athletes, generally, you don't go, you know, even the best dynasties, even the best players have their years where, where things just don't work out for them. Take LeBron James as an example. I mean, the guy isn't going to make the playoffs for the first time in 14 years, second time in his career. I mean, um, you know, it take just certain franchises in sports in general. The Cavaliers, Eastern Conference champions, a couple years in a row, lose LeBron James, now they're just about dead last in the Eastern Conference. I, I use these I use these examples just because, you know, Mike Bray as a basketball coach still has it. It's not that he's lost his touch. Mike Bray, if you watch and you know, I'm you know, as much as I love football and I spend most of my time behind this microphone and on this podcast talking about football, I'm really a basketball guy. Um, I coach basketball. I spend a lot of time watching basketball. Basketball is actually my favorite sport. Um, you know, I've said on this podcast before that really the only reason I don't talk basketball as much is because generally, number one, Notre Dame is not a basketball school. But maybe even more importantly than that, like I spend so much time analyzing, talking about basketball that sometimes I just don't want to come home and get behind a microphone and talk about it to myself for another hour. So, you know, I I, really basketball, I know basketball better than I know football. And here's what I'll say about this Notre Dame basketball team. Uh, Mike Bray continues to be a good coach, X's and O's wise. He continues to be able to do things and manipulate the game and change tempo in a way that good coaches do. Let's just put it that way. Um, he gets his players good looks. He gets, you know, he can't help Nate Lashevsky make three-pointers. Um, he can't help Prentice Hub make the right decision with the basketball. Except with, I guess, the knowledge that Prentice Hub has gotten through his freshman year and film study and all of those things. He can't. You know, he can't do so. He can't help Temple Gibbs get out of his own head and, you know, put the ball in the basket. He can't help John Mooney not be the type of player that goes for 20 and 10 one night and like seven and eight the next. Okay. Um, Obviously, you know, there's there's certain levels of coaching that you can that he can do those things. I mean, that he can instill confidence. He can do all of that stuff. He can continue to be positive. And, you know, by all accounts, Mike Bray is one of the more positive guys that you'll meet when it comes to coaches. You know, I, I tend to be a pessimist when I'm a coach. I tend to be a sarcastic uh, whiner when I'm a coach. And, you know, some people, I guess, um, can uh, appreciate that because they, they, I mean, players respond to that because they don't want to hear me whine anymore, whatever. Um, 
I also, I mean, I don't mean to rag on myself too much, but I also can, I suppose, be positive as well. But Mike Bray is just a positive guy. And, you know, when you hear stories about how on a Friday night he brought Temple Gibbs in and, you know, the two of them just shot around and talked. And then Temple Gibbs goes out and has a couple couple nice games after that. When you hear those types of stories, that's who Mike Bray is. And that's really what why he's such a great fit at a place like Notre Dame, okay? Um, this team's going to grow. This team isn't going to go through, you know, a couple torn shoulder ligaments and... Um, you know, a, a torn ACL and all of that, you know, those types of things, you know, especially given the, the injury issues that Notre Dame had last year and the injury issues they've had this year as well. I mean, there, there are some fluky things that happen in basketball that are out of the control of the coach. And I just, I mean, I just think that if Notre Dame were to fire Mike Bray, it would be a bad, bad decision, a bad, bad stamp on the program, a bad bad for everyone involved. I can't I can't think of a way that Notre Dame basketball benefits by having somebody else coach them next year. Uh now if in 3 2 3 years I suppose if this same group of players the core that they have with Prentice Hub and Dane Goodwin and Nate Lashesky and uh Chris Doherty and all of those guys if those guys aren't panning out at Notre Dame if they aren't developing the way that Mike Bray usually develops his players um you know Traditionally, players going from their second to third year under Mike Bray do very well. You know, Exhibit A, John Mooney this year. If we're talking about the same types of things in a couple years, then obviously there's a problem. But right now, with, you know, four freshmen that played a whole lot, um, a transfer in Jawan Durham who is hurt and hasn't played a lot, um, and just uh, pretty much a whole new basketball team this year, a, a freshman point guard. You know, this team has a lot of growing to do, but the ability to do it under a guy like Mike Bray, I suppose. I can't think of another guy, a guy that, as Buzz Williams said before they played Notre Dame, Buzz Williams is the coach of Virginia Tech, by the way, Mike Bray speaks hope. And, you know, I, I can't, like I say, I just can't, Think of a better guy, a better positive guy than Mike Bray to lead this team out of 14 and 18 into uh, you know a better place contending in the ACC. And I'll just sort of leave it there. Um, you know, maybe I'm partial. Maybe I, you know, I've I've talked about how I've had the the pleasure of meeting Mike Bray before, talking to him briefly and things, and just a good guy, a guy that you know just has a positive attitude. And if he wants to be here, I think he's earned his right to kind of go out of Notre Dame on his own terms. So, you know, maybe I'm reading a little bit more into a tweet than I should. Maybe maybe Mike Ray is completely safe. I, I don't know. I imagine we'll gain some clarity on that in the near future. But all that said, I just wanted to get that off my chest about Notre Dame basketball. And so um, with that said, we're going to go to ad number two here real quickly, and then we'll come back with um, some Notre Dame spring football and some things to keep an eye on. So we're excited at the Loop Sports to partner with the company 26 Shirts again for the month of March. 26 Shirts sells cool t-shirts backed by an even cooler mission, helping people in need. Every two weeks, they offer an exclusive t-shirt for $25, and a portion of the proceeds from each sale goes to help a person or family in need or an organization heavily involved in community outreach. The artists who provide the designs receive a percentage of their um, of their 
profits. A life is impacted, and you get a limited edition themed t-shirt that will go in the 26 shirt vault, never to be printed again. Portions of the proceeds from the sales of these shirts go to help a person in need of serious financial assistance due to overwhelming medical bills. You can read more about this particular cause on the website. Thank you to 26 Shirts for sponsoring the podcast for the month of March, and make sure to go to 26shirts.com to order your shirt and help a worthy cause. And if I could just kind of interject my own thoughts there, I was exploring the 26 Shirts website. It's really a cool premise, you know, if you're especially a Chicago sports fan, but not even just Chicago, I mean, they're adding some other cities as well. Go to 26shirts.com and they've got all kinds of shirts there. And you can see some of the shirts that were limited edition shirts that they sold for a, a short amount of time. And what you might find is that you have a t-shirt that nobody else has, which is really actually kind of cool. So it's a really cool concept. Make sure you check out 26shirts.com and and go there and support that cause as well. So to Notre Dame football now, mentioned that obviously, you know, um, Spring football is in full swing. I've written a couple pieces about Notre Dame football already. Uh, I sort of focused on the the defense, and, and that's kind of what I want to talk about a little bit today. Um, you know, it, it's interesting that um, where Notre Dame is as a football program, I suppose. They're coming off of, you know, the first season under Clark Lee on the defensive side of the football. And um, a, a season that obviously the defense played very well for the most part. Um, but at the same time, wasn't maybe what you would think, or what wasn't the elite talent maybe that, that uh, you know, you would expect from a Notre Dame football, or a, a team that even played as well as Notre Dame did, I suppose. And I think, and I guess what I'm alluding to is that, you know, Julian Love, a lot has been made of the fact that he went out in the uh, Cotton Bowl game, and Notre Dame had to move around in the defensive secondary, and then all of a sudden Clemson and Trevor Lawrence are passing all over the place and scoring touchdowns, and then that really put the game away real real fast. Um, I think, you know, and I've talked about this, the difference between Notre Dame right now and a team like Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, whatever, um, a team that contends for college football playoffs every year, um, whether they're in or just barely miss or whatever, um, is consistency and, uh, to a large extent, talent. And, you know, first of all, I wrote today that I think... And, you know, here's my hot take, not to be the the complete hot take guy, but I think that right now, in March of 2019, we are looking at what I think will be the turning point, the getting over of the, you know, getting the proverbial monkey off the back, getting over the hump, whatever analogy you want to use. I believe that we have reached that for Notre Dame football today. You know, I, I think that we're currently in that point where we're just about to get over the hump, and here's kind of why I think that. Uh, first of all, Notre Dame has, how do I say this? Notre Dame has people to replace on all three levels of defense, all right? They have people to replace um, pretty much, you know, all over the offense as well. When you look at guys like Miles Boykin, who was the leading receiver last year, Alizé Mack starting tight end, Dexter Williams generally, you know, outside of the first four games starting running back. If you go to the defense, you know, Jerry Tillery is going to play on Sundays next year. Jonathan Bonner, a five-year player at Notre Dame, graduated. Tavon Coney, Drew Tranquil, linebackers, both starting linebackers, pretty much never left the field for Notre Dame, which was remarkable 
gone to the NFL. They'll be playing on Sundays, both of them. And then, obviously, Julian Love, late first, early second round pick, more than likely, um, left after his junior year. And like we say, you know, Notre Dame defense was exposed when Julian Love wasn't on the field last year. But that said, you know, you look at some of the guys that are going to be stepping in, and that's kind of like what I have done and what other people have done at Slap the Sign. Um, I have put together a, uh, a piece and it was titled, if I remember correctly, um, that spring pro poses um, some questions for the Notre Dame defense. And I kind of went through each level of the defense, the defensive line, the linebacking core, and then the defensive secondary, um, and, and sort of talked about how, you know, where some of these are with links to some of the other work, the works that other people have done at Slap the Sign. And you can kind of wiggle your way through the Notre Dame defensive depth chart if you if you go to that website and um, check that out. So just head on over to Slap the Sign right there on the front page. Um, Spring poses questions for the Irish defense, and you'll be able to read some of that content. But here's really what I wanted to talk about, though. Um, you know, and I started thinking about this, wondering about this, writing about this earlier today. You know, a lot of people in the last few weeks, you know, especially around uh, National Signing Day in February, talked about the fact that, you know, Notre Dame, you know, is not the type of school that lands five-star recruits. And that is the difference between Clemson, Alabama, and teams like Notre Dame. Okay. Um, obviously, Notre Dame can't bring in those those the same five star type guys that those schools can, because of the fact that one they're uh, you know in the Midwest they're near a Great Lake knows a lot. Um, you know, there's it, it's a small. I mean, it's not like they're in Chicago. They're in small South Bend, although Chicago's about seventy miles away. Um, and then there's obviously the religious overtones, the academic expectations of, of football players can football players even get in uh the you know five can five-star recruits even you know pass enough classes to stay eligible without you know any type of a scandal all of that stuff okay there are major major concerns about you know whether notre dame um can could could bring in those five stars and generally five stars just aren't interested in in that type of environment they're looking for the next level they're looking to get exposure playing time um and have their life revolve around football and not necessarily school. And as Cardale Jones, you know, infamous quarterback of the Ohio State University said, you know, these players don't come here to play school. I ain't come here to play school, says Cardale Jones. So um, I, I don't know. Um, so a lot of people have made, you know, said that Notre Dame is never going to win a title because they're never going to be able to get these five-star recruits to, to compete with the Clemsons and the Alabamas of the world, and whatever, whoever the next dynasty is, you know, uh, obviously Alabama's been a dynasty for a while, Clemson's come on the scene as of late, I don't know who's next, I don't, I mean, it could be, you know, Texas is, it seems to be sort of reloading, you know, USC is always, you know, they've had their moments, and obviously right now they're um, a little bit of a uh, dumpster fire, um, <laughs> if we're being honest, but you get my point, you know, these schools, these public institutions just have a better chance at landing these guys and keeping these guys than Notre Dame does. So will Notre Dame ever be able to win a title again? And, and the answer, you know, um, I don't know. Uh, a lot of people have weighed in on this and a lot of people have talked about this, you know, for quite some time through the better part of the 90s, the early 2000s. And, and the answer to me is, I, I don't know, uh, maybe, 
It sort of depends. And I think a lot of things will have to go well for Notre Dame. But again, to get back to my point, Notre Dame right now I think is at a turning point where we're going to see Notre Dame start to compete um, at a college football playoff type level, win some of those you know, away um, night games, primetime games at a, uh, I, I don't know, at a clip that they haven't been able to do in recent memory. And here's why I think that. No, Notre Dame probably is not going to get five-star recruits, or they're not going to get many of them. But what I think Notre Dame has demonstrated over the last couple of years is that, you know, their development of players is through the roof currently, okay? If you look at Miles Boykin, all right, Miles Boykin spent four years at Notre Dame. He was a redshirt his freshman year, and then, you know, sophomore, junior, senior year, he saw playing time, all right? In his sophomore and junior year, where he was actually seeing playing time, all right, second and third year on campus, 18 total catches, all right? And then all he does, you know, he has a great Citrus Bowl game, becomes Notre Dame's best receiver last year, leads the team in receptions, receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, and then goes to the combine, and all Miles Boykin does, and Jack Leningart over at Slap the Sign put a, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> put this pretty well, is that obviously Miles Boykin does not skip leg day, because if you look at Miles Boykin's combine numbers, and I'm, I'm looking at the Slap the Sign website right now, uh, bench pressed 12 reps, um, he had a 40 time of 4.42, which was the fifth fastest of all combine wide receivers. This is at like 6'4", 220, by the way. Had a vertical jump um, of 43.5 inches, which is just absurd. A broad jump of 140 inches. Three cone drill, 6.77 seconds. 20-yard shuttle, 4.07 seconds. In short, the man at 6'4", 220, is quick, he can jump high, and he's just a physical specimen that an NFL team is going to look and be like, wow. I mean, they probably already have. All right? Um, Alizé Mack, you know, tight end prospect. The guy weighs 249 pounds. He had 22 bench reps, which tied him for second among tight ends. 4.7 seconds in the 40-yard dash, which is fast <laughs> for a tight end. Um, you know, all of these Notre Dame players, and you can go and you can go to slap the sign and, um, you know, we, we put out kind of a, um, a combine rewinds type of a type of an article written by Connor McJunkin and you can go read all of these stats. I'm not going to sit here and read them to you, but you know, we have all of these players. How many of them are there? Um, six, seven Notre Dame players that went to the combine, most of which, you know, with the exception of Alex Bars, um, competed in drills. And we have all these players in the top percentile of, you know, similar players um, that they're competing against in all of these drills. And what it tells me is that Notre Dame is developing players in a way that they haven't done it in the past. I mean, has there been a time where all of the, we've talked about Notre Dame players at the combine doing as well as they have. I mean, if you go back not too far in the combine, you really couldn't even find the numbers because it was kind of like this big, big secret where NFL players went and worked, but worked out and, you know, 
the only people that was privy that were, to that information were the were the owners and the and the GMs and things. But you know, has there been a time where there have been so many Notre Dame players that are going to be draft picks in April? Have there? And were any of these players five star recruits? Not sure that they are. So I don't know. I, I think that you know what we've seen through Notre Dame. You know, we saw. Two years ago, a, a breakdown in November where, you know, they went down to – the Irish went down to, to Miami. They lost to the Hurricanes. They got just shellacked, all right? That breakdown didn't happen last year. Why is that? Could it be because, you know, the strength program has been improved? Yeah, I, I think that's that's the reason. You know, a lot of people – and, you know, if I'm going to keep referencing the previous podcast that I did that, you know, Notre Dame fans are notoriously insufferable, but Brian Kelly – you know, tore this program down to the studs, brought in a new strength and conditioning guy in Matt Bayless, brought in new coordinators in um, in Chip Long, who Nick Saban, by the way, if you you know are following Notre Dame news, wanted to talk to Chip Long just about, you know, just to have a football talk about some of the things that Notre Dame was doing on offense. Um, he brought in um, first Mike Elko, who brought in, you know, kind of his protege, Clark Lee, to coach the linebackers. Elko left to go to Texas A&M. Um, you know, we don't like him for that. It's okay. But Clark Lee obviously kind of came in, called a little bit of a different type of a game and didn't really, you know, they didn't really, really miss, uh, miss a step with Clark Lee filling in for, um, my goodness, for, for Mike Elko. You know, I think, you know, oftentimes if you follow the trajectory of Brian Kelly's career, it's his third year in places that, He's done really well. You know, Grand Valley State, Cincinnati, uh, Notre Dame, his third year was the year that they went to the national title game the first time. Um, the only time, the, the first time that they really got to, uh, you know, a, a bowl that mattered, I suppose. And I know that Brian Kelly is now in, what, year nine? And that's all right. But I think that really what you're getting is Brian Kelly in year three again. Because, you know, it, it's just been different the last two years. And, and I think that at this point, I would not be surprised if Notre Dame went out next year and really, you know, people are committing to, you know, Vegas put the over-under at nine and a half wins for Notre Dame this year. And I think that's a pretty fair number given that they play at Georgia early in the year. They play at Michigan um, and they play at Stanford at the end of the year. And those games are kind of the three that Notre Dame will have to navigate to be able to make it back to the college football playoff if they're going to do that. Um, what I'm going to say, though, I think is that Notre Dame is in a better place now than they've ever been under Brian Kelly or, goodness gracious, let's even go back, Charlie Weiss, Tyrone Willingham, Bob Davey. They're in a better position right now with – you know, who they have at these coordinator positions, the strength program, and all of these things, and to be able to compete with these players uh, that they have and develop these players and to be able to compete with the Georgias and the Alabamas and the Clemsons and, and these powerhouses of the world because that they are doing this a better job of developing players than other schools that compare to Notre Dame. And it's just, and all you have to do to be able to believe that is look at the combine stats for Notre Dame football players. It's really that simple. And so, you know, you look at Notre Dame and you look at some of these players that are going to step in next year, the Jafar Armstrongs of the world who, you know, 
made the switch from wide receiver to running back and played admirably, more than admirably, led the team in actual touchdowns scored um, as a as a running back last year without ever playing a snap of running back before. Um, they brought in uh, Lance Taylor to coach the running backs. Great coach. Coached at Stanford. Coached in the NFL. You know, um, again, just a lot of things going Notre Dame's way. Chase Claypool, can he make the jump this year? I think he can. Um, wide receivers, Chris Fink, going to be a better Chris Fink. Tight ends, Cole Komet. You know, Chip Long has said, you know, this will be his third year. Cole Komet's on Notre Dame's roster in South Bend. Obviously, he's playing with the baseball team right now, but Chip Long has said that Cole Komet's kind of like a once-in-a-lifetime type of a tight end, once-in-a-lifetime type of an athlete. I think this could be the year that Cole Komet, you know, breaks out now that Alizé Mack has moved on, now that he's going to be the number one guy. Um, they found some big, good offensive linemen. They have recruiting classes where offensive line has been, you know, just an emphasis. They've got young guys that are going to be good. They've got guys that, you know, are coming into their third year in the program, breaking into the starting lineup. The moral of the story that I'm uh, that I'm in a roundabout way talking about is that Notre Dame is in a place, like I say, where they have developed some of this talent, and it's not going to be a case where, you know, it's three years and a drop-off and three years and a drop-off and all that. I think this is as consistent as Notre Dame is going to be, and it's, like I say, it's look at the combine numbers for some of Notre Dame's guys, and you'll see that these players developed in their time here, and most of that development happened over the last two to three years. So maybe Notre Dame isn't going to get those five-star recruits. I'd be willing to bet, however, that, you know, the more guys Notre Dame puts through the NFL draft that perform well at the combine and run these unbelievable 40 times for their size, um, I I think that that would mean that a couple more five-star guys might start coming to Notre Dame if they become, you know, achieve that consistency as a football team. But do you need five-star guys? Do every five-star does every five-star guy pan out the way we think he will? I don't really think it happens. I mean, look at, you know, the the quarterback. Look at Justin Fields. Couldn't get on the on the field at Georgia and obviously is now at Ohio State and things. So five-star is nice. I, I'm more comfortable right now, I think, with Notre Dame developing the four-star guys at a high rate. And I think that that's happening. And I think that what you're going to see is that Notre Dame is going to reap the benefits of it. Um, I've rambled on for, for quite a while now. That was actually, I actually had a couple more things to talk about, but we're getting on to, you know, 40 some minutes of the podcast here. So I'm going to call it a, call it quits for this one. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, make sure that you're checking us out. Like I say, all over the web, all over YouTube and all of those things. Um, as I look at my picture, the YouTube the, the the camera is just doing weird stuff right now. So I don't really know what's going on, but we're continuing to work out some of the kinks um, with, you know, the, the YouTube, the green screen, the everything else, but the, the audio will always be available at Apple podcasts, Google play stitcher and all that stuff. It's under the dome underscore ND on Twitter under the dome ND.com. The website, like I say, is a little bit under construction, but you can also check us out at the loop sports.com, you know, find us on their uh, podcast tab over there as well. And um, make sure you're checking us all of that. Tell a friend. We, I really appreciate those of you that you know have been loyal listeners and have spread the word about the podcast and things. Um, like I mentioned at the top of the show. And you know, until next time, go Irish.
here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.